Hello, I'm Sharon Davis, Chief Executive of Young Enterprise, and this is Enterprising Mindsets podcast. My guest today is Lucy Cranwell Ward. She's the Chief Executive and co-founder of a tech for good company called Upskill Me. Upskill Me is a careers platform which helps young people build a record of achievement and showcase their full range of talents through digital portfolios. Upskill Me is on a mission to build the LinkedIn for teens everywhere. Their vision is to democratise access to opportunity, ensure that young people from all backgrounds gain the skills, connections and knowledge to thrive in their future career. Before founding Upskill Me in April 2019, Lucy worked in early careers and HR roles at Bain and & Company and Ogilvy. During this time, Lucy developed an understanding of how increasingly important soft skills are to employers. She learned that skills like teamwork, communication and creativity are in high demand, and yet many young people struggle to track and communicate the non-academic skills which employers genuinely value. Lucy took part in a Tech for Good Accelerator with Bethnal Green Ventures and has recently raised pre-seed investment for Upskill Me. She's passionate about promoting entrepreneurship and careers in tech to girls and young women, and she's a young enterprise alumna. Lucy, welcome to Enterprising Mindsets. Thank you, Sharon. It's a pleasure to be here. It's lovely to talk to you. And it's great that you're a Young Enterprise alumna. We're very proud of that. Lucy, you've had a really interesting journey to setting up uh, Upskill Me. What was life like growing up for you? I grew up in South London on a council estate called Somerset Estate, which is in Battersea. Growing up, my mum was a dressmaker and seamstress, and I'm one of five children, so it was a bit of a hectic household. So I have three brothers and one sister, and I'm the middle child. And growing up was lots of fun um, at times, but also at the same time, it could be quite dangerous um, as there was a lot of crime on our estate. And I guess the fun parts from looking back was playing out with my friends, all day, every day, as in the summer holidays and after school, um, having the biggest water fights you've ever seen, just kids everywhere, rollerblading with my friends for hours and hours. Um, but however, there were there were parts and moments which you realised how dangerous it could be. There was a lot of crime. I think we were burgled at least 10 times during my childhood. I remember even waking up once and seeing it happen and there were there were gangs and there were some awful things that happened and sometimes it was it was quite scary but I um I had a lot of fun and yeah I guess when you're young you don't always understand what's going on Mm. around you as well. And did those formative years teach you anything in terms of the mindset that you bring to what you are today? Definitely so my mum was a dressmaker but also had just lots of different jobs And I think I, so she was a true entrepreneur and I guess was an inspiration to me. And when we were younger, we used to go to car boot fairs and I would set up my own jewellery stand and create badges and sell them. And I also um, set up my own game that I would run at car boot fairs. And I used to sell pencils. It was it was called the teddy bear game. And essentially everyone's a winner and you, you essentially get straws which have um, tickets in and you kind of blow the straw and then your number will relate to a teddy bear so everyone wins it's a great game <laughs> it was really popular so we used to take this teddy bear game around to these car boot fairs and I would have my own jewellery store I, I just love so you want a um, teddy bear do you have to buy loads of teddy bears to make sure that everybody we did we did I'm not sure where we sourced them from I, that bit is a bit hazy but we'd cart all these teddy bears around <laughs> we sell pencils outside our corner shop with my friends and I just loved um, my own businesses I was always trying to look for a new idea and I think um, growing up without having much and you know a lot of pocket money I was always just looking for an opportunity to 
make money to create pocket money and I just love like taking an idea and creating a real business and I think that's always been a passion of mine so I think growing up makes you have an enterprising mindset because you're almost like a little opportunist like looking for uh, how can I create a business and create you know get some pocket money so I think it's about yeah creating a business and um, also being resilient so that you just keep pushing. And so what was next what happened next in terms of those critical crossroads that enabled you to arrive at, at founding Upskill Me was there anything else that happened in terms of those sliding door moments when life could have gone one way or the other? So at 11 years old, I guess I was looking at secondary schools in the local area, but I had a friend at school and she told me that she was going to a boarding school and that she wasn't like, didn't, didn't have the money, but her, but she didn't need to pay the full fees. And I just thought it sounded like the most exciting thing ever. So I told my mom that my friend Phoebe was going to this boarding school and I really wanted to go as well. So I guess we started to research. My mum was just really intrigued by what this was. We started to research kind of schools whereby they offer bursary places for, I guess, disadvantaged young um, children. And we found a number of schools and I got into a boarding school um, and on a full on a full bursary and all of my brothers and sisters did. And that was a bit of a game changer because I went from being on the estate and having a lot of fun and being with my friends and then the next day you're in this boarding school and you have this structure and you you have like set time for your homework and, you know, just set bedtimes that you're really strict. And it was just so different, but it was amazing. I really thrived and I did things that I've never done. So I started, I learned how to sail. I learned the saxophone. I was part of the jazz band. I was really academic. So I won lots of academic prizes. And it's just, it's just crazy um, turn of events from from where I was to going to the boarding school and and just completely changing everything. But I loved it. It was a great experience. And so where you you took part in Young Enterprise? Yes. So we were given the opportunity to Young Enterprise in business studies and A-level. And as soon as I heard about the opportunity, I I just was like, I have to be managing director. This is the best thing ever. I came up with an idea (laughs) for a... (laughs) a pizza company I don't know why but I think we might me and my friend pitched it as um there aren't any you know you can't really get any pizza takeaways because we were kind of out in the middle of nowhere and um and that we would like set up this pizza company which I know you can't really do businesses anymore so underline underline um, underline (laughs) (laughs) at the time um you could um so so we we sourced our pizza bases from the catering and we, and we sold pizzas we made them and sold them twice a week and I was the managing director and we raised I think we raised like five thousand pounds for wardrobe seriously yeah and and it was we ran school discos and it was just like this little enterprise that we had in school and it was so much fun it was the, it was my favorite thing I did in school um yeah so that was my first kind of taste of entrepreneurship and you were the managing director yeah I was managing director. <laughs> Fantastic. And so for listeners who may not have heard of, of Upskill Me, can you give us an overview of what it is and, and what gave you the idea in the first place? Yeah, sure. So Upskill Me is a free careers platform to help young people develop a digital record of achievement, discover work experience and improve their employability. And so any student aged 13 to 18 can use it to track their achievements or track youth programs or things that they're doing. Um, And they can also earn points, badges and prizes um, along the way. And it just helps them showcase their talents. Um, 
So essentially at the end of like using it or as, as they're using it, they get this kind of uh, digital portfolio, which is a bit like a LinkedIn profile page, but um, it's designed specifically for a young person and they can showcase multimedia projects and lots of things. And the reason I came up with the idea um, is because I worked at Ogilvy and Mather and I worked in the HR team, but I was really curious about the kind of early talent scheme and we created an internship program called the pipe and we wanted you know junior creators people from different backgrounds different talents to come in and just provide like great ideas and we were you know the adverts that we were creating for were for boots and dove and some of these huge organizations and the i remember we hired 14 interns and they all had such incredible um achievements and skills i was amazed by these young people so one person um, called Kieran he was a spoken word artist and another was brilliant at editing videos and creating these YouTube videos for social media and another person um, Amy she had loads of loads of followers on on Instagram and she created this um, using artworks but none of that was really like you know showcased effectively on their applications and so I thought to myself just doing some research. So how did you and, find um, out about those things? Yeah, we had to really dig deep to find out about these other things. And I think young people sometimes don't realise that some of these things that they're doing outside of just their, their school studies are really valuable to employers. Like those skills, they could easily work on one of our campaigns. So I, I kind of thought to myself, young people often forget what they've done or they don't think they're, it's important to include it in an application. But actually, these skills show creativity, innovation and teamwork. And so I wanted to develop a way for a young person to track their achievements um, throughout school, but at the same time showcase them in a modern digital way so that an employer can go into their profile, open up their multimedia project and really see a 360 degree view of a young person's talents. And exams and grades are one part of that, but there are so many other things, especially with digital natives and, and Gen Z doing so many things. I felt like we needed a new modern format to showcase that and I guess I just are doing research and, and hearing about it. You know, employers I spoke to, Accenture said that it was actually quite an interesting idea, and it just kind of snowballed from there. Really, I quit my job, and I had no money, no no experience of tech, nothing, absolutely nothing. And I was like, I'm just going to do this, and yeah, it just kind of went from there. It was a bit crazy. It's interesting you say about young people not reflecting on those transferable skills, and I think part of that is because. I think you need help sometimes to reflect on those transferability of skills. If you play football, if you've got a paper round, if, you, um, if you're creating content for your own Instagram, they're all transferable skills. But sometimes you need help to think about how they can be transferable in a future setting. So have you, have you found that in the development of Upskill Me, that that's yeah. something you're needing to kind of bring through? Definitely, definitely. So we try and help young people understand, first of all, like what the skills are. So mm. in the platform, there's videos of entrepreneurs talking about, you know, what, what does innovation mean to them? And one of our speakers talks about innovation through the history of hip hop and just brings it to life. And you don't realize that innovation can be in things that are, you know, in your day to day life. So we help educate young people. We help them, um, you know, identify and track the key things that they're doing. And I think it's been quite empowering to say to young people, these things that you're doing that you, you, you may not think are that important are actually really important. And it's incredible that you're doing that. So I think through using the platform um, and helping schools to implement it, we've seen that young people feel empowered and they feel like they have so many strengths and skills which they didn't know about before. 
Um, so it's a multi kind of touch approach between working directly with schools and young people to help them understand how to track, you know, these day to day things they're already doing and, and make them feel like they've got lots of skills. So you were passionate about starting this business. You didn't have any tech experience. You had no money. Uh, <laughs> help me join the dots. What happened next? <laughs> yeah, I think I, I, I think the first thing I did was I booked a myself a slot in a co-working space and I just got there on the Monday because I thought I just need to go into work into somewhere and, and just feel like I'm surrounded by people that are working on something and I think I just wrote down all my ideas and I think the first thing I did was I looked at things like I listened to podcasts a lot I, I researched things like Y Combinator and I, I learned about the best way to build a startup is to start really small it's called the lean startup theory and work really agile so start really small pick one thing and try and build an MVP and test it and also speak to your speak to your customers so I would go into schools I would sit in the school hall and I would just speak to students and teachers to understand what the challenges were and I think I don't know why I had this crazy conviction but I think from the very beginning I I think I just thought it was such a good idea and I'd spoken to a lot of people to validate that it was a good idea that I just started building up a huge amount of research and trying to define a simple MVP where I could test the idea because you actually don't need a lot of money to start a startup with so many tools out there. Um, you could buy a domain name for about, you know, not much money at all. Um, you can test it on things like WhatsApp and create a really kind of basic MVP to test your idea. And I think when I discovered that and you break it down in steps, you think, actually, I'm just testing an idea here and uh, I don't have any money. I think that's the scary thing. You talk about money and obviously the Rose Review highlights access and awareness of funding as a number one issue for female entrepreneurs across the entire entrepreneurial journey from intention to scale up. Only 1% of all venture funding goes to businesses founded by all-female teams, which obviously inhibits scale-ups. So in your experience as a female founder, how have you, have you experienced challenges in raising funds? I think it's really challenging. I think it's really scary to raise to raise money, especially when you also don't have a network of, let's say, friends and family who can just you know help you out of like 10K here and 10K there. Because a lot of founders have might might raise their first raise of uh, round of funding with the support of friends and family which I didn't have and I think the ecosystem in London is actually there's so many opportunities and I think it's things like female founder office hours and different events and I think at the beginning um, so it was by Playfair Capital female founders office hours and you essentially get to sign up and meet um, investors sometimes they are you know, investors that invest at the different, you know, much later stage. I think raising your first round of funding when you don't have revenue, you've hardly got a product and you've hardly got any traction. It's really difficult. I did have a bit of revenue, but really not not much at all. Um, you're still kind of building your product. That's really difficult because an investor is looking at evidence to assess you by. And if you don't have much, it's quite difficult. But I think when I first started, I just, um, I applied for everything. So one of the things that I did get after applying for lots of different opportunities by being, you know, being really resourceful and using your initiative to get into the startup ecosystem. I used to go to Google campus and just speak to people. So that's the first thing, putting yourself out there is I used to just email so many people. I mean, just like, just the first thing I did was work out, you know, who are the smartest angel investors that I can get? to join my business and I would research and research and research and build lists and lists and lists and I did a huge amount of cold outreach over last year I've sent over about 600 emails and 
maybe more LinkedIn messages. But all of my outreach was very personalized and very targeted. Every single email was directly addressed to that person. I had researched what they did, what charities they're on the boards of. And I think if you approach it in that way and you have a, the kind of mindset that is, it's a numbers game, I think anyone can do it. And it's really difficult. But, and maybe it's more difficult for me as someone, as a, as a woman, I'm not sure. I don't know how, what to compare it to. Mm. Maybe I have had to work harder send more emails um but it can and be what done what you do it well clearly because uh, you have been successful haven't you in raising your pre-seed funding yeah we just closed it so I think I, I was raising on and off from February last year but I had about six months where I wasn't raising because we were launching the product um so I've just closed it uh like last week and you've raised what you want to raise to kind of progress to the next stage Yes, so I raised enough to give us as a team of six people, not everyone is full time, um, at least 12 months runway. You ideally want 12 to 18 months runway. Mm. You've clearly raised those funds during a pandemic, which um, is phenomenal. So if you could rewind and do something different, having had that experience that you've just had, and obviously during a pandemic, what would you do differently? I would do differently. There are two things. The first thing is I would probably have doubled down on my approach of contacting angel investors that were, that could be interested in what I'm doing earlier because, and not gone to the largest kind of VCs because there are so many amazing companies at kind of the seed round, which is the next round from me. They often don't invest when an idea is so early on. So I would say, at your first round of funding to really approach people who are going to back you, support you, who are going to connect you with their network. And so I would I would have just gone straight into finding kind of high net worth individuals or angels who are passionate about education, really think that what you're doing is great and gone. And the other thing that I would do differently is I wouldn't put all my eggs in one basket because at least three times I thought I've got the round together, everyone's going to invest. And and this happened three times. The first was when COVID hit. So I had loads of people drop out and that was devastating. And the second time I just, I just thought that everyone would say yes. And I had really good conversations. And when you, when you build the relationship with people, you just feel like they are just going to back you and it's the best thing ever. And then for whatever reason, it like wasn't the right timing for them or it just, you know, things just fall apart. And I think I wish I just like kept on building my list of like building my funnel because I'm not just thinking that they'd say yes, because when they did say no, this happened two more times. You're just like devastated. You have to start from scratch again. And you're just like, oh, why didn't I just carry on? Because now I'm like at least six weeks behind because they haven't told me yes for six weeks. And now I have to start again. How did you deal with that? It was devastating. I, I'm not going to lie. It was really, really hard. And I think I think I just probably took a few days off. I just did something else and then I came back to it. And the thing that I did do, which which actually really helped, was when I came back after a few days, I would set myself a, re- a target. So I would say, okay, right, they've said no. So if I just contact 50 people a week, then I'm just more likely to get a yes next time. And I'll just keep messaging 50 people a week until I get a yes so I set myself this target of um, 50 emails a week but again they were all targeted research these these people which did take quite a lot of time personalized messages and then when you have this system of doing that you're bound to get at least one person responding and I think when I got one person responding that was 
I mean, someone that was really, really exciting to me. I remember I, I was so excited because I had done 50 emails. You might get one or two responses. Mm. I ran into the other room. My boyfriend was working. He was on a call with all of his colleagues. <laughs> I said, I've got a response, like shouting, screaming, <laughs> like singing. <laughs> And he was on this video call with all his colleagues and he just looked at me and I was like, oh, I'm oh sorry. I just walked down. Everyone heard and he worked in construction. So it was just really fantastic. It's the highs and lows of what happened, what it's like. And so obviously you talked about building a team of six. You've got a runway for 12 months. What's it like building a team, having been a solo founder uh, for so long? One of my biggest worries when starting was I don't have a tech team. I don't have a CTO. And I would go on LinkedIn and try and email and message so many kind of people that work in tech. But, you know, finding someone that's technical that would want to quit their job and join your startup and they've never heard of you and you're a small ed tech startup is just is it was just impossible. And so I think my advice would be, so so what I did was I, I, I eventually found someone who was a great person. He was actually a product manager. And although it wasn't a CTO, which is what I thought I needed in my head, he was actually the perfect person because he understood how to, how to go from A to B, how to go from an idea to an MVP, and then how to you know develop it even further he was technical he had a little bit of coding knowledge but really fundamentally understood you know how to build a product and so I and so that was actually a bit of a game changer because it allowed me to you know actually build an MVP without having someone that's a CTO so my advice would be to someone that's starting out you definitely don't need a a, you know a technical co-founder but you could just find someone and even and it's also really hard to get someone to quit their job to join you but you could offer someone saying look I'd love to work with you. Would you like to freelance with me a couple of hours a month? And, you know, when you're pre- presenting to investors, you at least have someone there that's technical. You've got you know, some technical capability. And then over time, I actually met my met my CTO in the most random way. But I, I would say it wouldn't help you, but, you know, stop you. And I'd love to tell you the story of like how I met my CTO because um, it's, it's just so random. Um, I tell us was... very tef- very quickly. <laughs> tell us tell us the story very quickly. So I was working at my so over lockdown. My mum had a she owns a shop in in Clapham, and I was working outside. I just helped her with the payment machine. And a family came up to us and said, "Oh, is this your kind of plant shop?" And I said, "No, I I work in tech. I don't know anything about plants." And uh, I got, I got talking, and they said, "Oh, what are you doing?" And I said, "I'm building like a LinkedIn for teens." And they thought it was really interesting. I started talking to a person called Julian and he said, I work in tech as well. And we just kind of exchanged emails. And I, I guess I just kept him updated on what I was doing. And I guess eight weeks later, just like going back and forwards, he said, I think what you're doing is really interesting. And I would, I'd be interested in joining you, even if it's part time to begin with. I think, I think it's a brilliant mission. And Julian actually worked at Google for 13 years, had worked in the games industry and was just the most um, incredible talent and person. So um, that was just a random story. About how what my, a fantastic story. The Rose Review found another revo- reinforcing cultural barrier um, affecting women starting a business was the, I guess, the capabilities or perceptions of skills and ability. So very often women will that were interviewed would credit other people for their success or dismiss their own achievements. Um, 39% of women were confident in their capability to start a business compared to 55% of men. I guess as a female founder yourself, do you recognise um, self-belief as a potential barrier to female entrepreneurship one thing that inspired me was actually seeing a a female founder that was really successful 
Um, I think having visible role models and seeing people that are already doing it is super inspiring. I watched, I think, a TV show with Alex to Pledge, and I, I think I emailed her on LinkedIn the next day, and it was all about, you know, building a successful startup. And I think for, for me, I think it's just about having really great female role models that you think, I actually could picture myself doing it. If they're doing it, I can do it. So I think that's the first thing. Having, you know, seeing someone do it is really, really, 100% relatable role models are so, so important. Because you think if they can do it, then I can definitely do it. And then I think with self-belief, I think I think we just all need to work together to kind of break this because it's so frustrating because running a startup is the most rewarding, fun um, thing you'll ever, ever do. I think it's the most amazing experience. And if young people are going to have, what, 11 careers in their future, 11 different careers, we've moved away from having one career for life, then why can't one of those be your own business? Why why not try it as, as one of those 11 different careers? So I think it's about inspiring young women and and also giving them the tools, the networks and the mentorship to, to make it seem possible. And I think if you just join one network things can spiral um and from there and, and just having the belief that you can do it and it's an incredible journey that everyone should at least try once i think absolutely and we have thousands of young women who are starting their own student businesses at young enterprise many of them will be listening um today many alumni keeping going with their entrepreneurial ideas what tips would you give young women considering a start starting a business in this current climate so I think there are two types of, I guess, ways that you can approach starting a business. And I think one way is if you're not ready to start now, it's seeing it as a journey. I think if you look at entrepreneurship as something that you might weave weave into at another point in your life, if it's not right right now, I think that there are two types. So one, so one type might be someone that I would encourage anyone who has a passion, something that they really love doing, that they, you know, really good at and really interested in. If that's you, I would um, start something on the side, even if you're not ready to quit your job or make that decision. Start a YouTube channel, start an Instagram account or a newsletter or a blog. Just start something. If you're passionate about it, you're likely to just find it fun, and you can kind of do it part time because. You know, some of the greatest business started from a small side project. So the founder of Glossier, she saw, she started a blog um, on the side about people sharing their, their daily skin routines. And then she, that spiraled into this huge, you know, billion dollar uh, beauty business. So I would just start that, build a community and do it on the side. And then when, you're, when you've built a huge community and you feel ready, then you can do it. The second way is maybe you are already in a job or in your career. I think there are so many opportunities to disrupt and innovate your your sector. And I think this is something that I did. I didn't have that one passion I was like, I knew that I wanted to do, but I noticed things. So you might keep a logbook of what's frustrating at my job, what's taking ages and with data and technology could be made much faster. There might be different things on your career, but I, I think when you get those and you see those opportunities, speak to people. And if you find one which you think, actually, this is a really good opportunity, and go for it but if you think if you think about you're just always having the opportunistic kind of mindset where you're looking for ideas if you want to be an entrepreneur I think that's that's another way of doing it and I think that's it doesn't seem as scary when you kind of see it as like these mini projects that you might be doing um it doesn't feel as as you know all or nothing you're either going to quit your job and do it 
Um, I think definitely start something on the side, no matter what situation you're in, and then let it go from there. Let it grow naturally. And if it doesn't work out, learn from it and choose something else and just keep kind of keep trying. And in terms of upskill me, um, it, obviously it's exciting opportunities ahead. If someone's listening and feels like, actually, I'd like to get involved, I'd like to um, invest or support upskill me, what's, what's, how can we do that? How can they do that? So if any um, young person would like to join our platform, um, we've just opened it up to new schools. So you can just email info at upskillme.io. So that's upskill and then .io. So just email us and we'll add your school in um, and you can access the full platform. It's absolutely free opportunity portal and our new digital portfolios, which you can kind of use to add into an application um, and your UCAS statement as well. Um, if any other organisations want to get involved, we do partner with schools. It's free and youth charities. If you'd like to use it as a digital tracking tool, feel free to reach out on the same email info at upskillme.io or just any other organisations. We love partnerships and um, I just love meeting people who are in this space that are passionate about the same things as me. Lucy, it's been fantastic talking to you today. Your passion is, is just infectious, really. So thank you for joining us on Enterprising Mindsets. Thank you so much, Sharon. It's been a pleasure. Take care. Enterprising Mindsets is a podcast brought to you by Young Enterprise. And if you'd like to hear more, please do subscribe via your favourite podcast app.